0: I'm Richard,
1: and I'm Gary, and these are our incredible stories.
2: Uh, Roger Orange, this is Rattlesnake Control. Have you in sight? part of my position.
1: Folks, the sounds you're listening to right now, those are actual combat sounds, and they weren't recorded by just anybody, nope, they were actually recorded by our uh, very own co-host, Mr. Richard over here, my dad, and uh, back in the 1960s, uh, you had a lot of different careers, um, teaching, uh, radio, TV, acting, yada, 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 Um, so this was part of your radio days wasn't it
0: yes and the uh, yada 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 was perhaps the most uh, interesting occupation I ever had but in any event uh, this was uh, by uh, this was about uh, 1968 69 70 uh, when uh, these recordings were made and um, it was so it was the end of the 1960s decade and I was transitioning from a rock and roll disc jockey and radio to a radio newsman and later I would end up uh, doing weekend TV news uh, for a local ABC affiliate and at that time the war in Vietnam was really raging Gary there were lots of uh, uh, unhappy people in the country lots of civil unrest and so one of the radio specials that I produced centered on the war in Vietnam oh and how did you come about that one I contacted a uh, Major Lowry, who was uh, posted at the local Army base, and he had uh, developed uh, one of the most outstanding Southeast Asia training programs that I'd ever heard of. Uh, the program was designed as training for soldiers uh, who are bound for Vietnam, and he brought together a group of specialists on jungle warfare and survival. They were all, by the way, Vietnam combat veterans, so they didn't learn their Uh, expertise out of a textbook Uh, they They had
1: actually been
0: there that's right they were uh, they learned their lessons from the jungles of vietnam now the training course that he set up was 32 hours it was mandatory training for all Mm -hmm. personnel assigned to southeast asia and some of the instructors were actual victims of some of the booby traps that we are going to hear about in this podcast this evening What do we mean
1: by victims?
0: They actually were struck by some of these uh, booby traps that you'll hear about. And so they can describe these booby traps with uh, absolute authenticity. They, uh, all of them, uh, to a man, uh, the entire training team uh, took a personal interest in the welfare and survival of all of the soldiers who were going through that program Now, Gary, they they moved 1,200 soldiers through that program the summer that I was there.
1: Holy guacamole. So
0: I have to assume that uh, we're looking at tens of thousands of troops that actually went through this program at Mm. some time or another. And basically, they went down uh, what was called the Vietnam Highway. Uh Um, The soldiers referred to it as the Street Without Joy because so many booby traps were set up, and it was designed that they were all going to get killed in, in, in training, you know, uh, mm-hmm. make-believe killed, uh, just to learn the lessons uh, that they needed to learn before actually deploying to the jungles of Vietnam. And then they would end up uh, at this uh, little Hanoi village uh, area, which also carried a lot of uh, dangerous situations. So Major Laria uh, admitted that he couldn't cover every contingency that the soldiers would face in, in uh, theater, But he does point out in this uh, training how the enemy works, how the enemy thinks, and how each American soldier going through that training could increase his personal chances of survival. And like the Major told me, when you tell someone how they can get hurt, they listen. All right. I
1: think we actually have some uh, audio recording of uh, his interview with you.
0: We do.
2: We have a Vietnamese village set up here that is required by regulations. To me, I think it's a very important uh, part of our training. We take the individual here, bring him out to the village, and in a period of about an hour, hour and a half, we take him down a trail some 500 to 600 meters long and show him various and sundry-type situations he may be faced with while he's in Vietnam. This is done to give the man uh, an idea of what he will see when he gets there, how that it is in place, how Charlie uses it, and where he gets his material to do it with. From there, we bring him into a village and show him a typical village, although small in nature, of what he will run up onto in the central highlands or along the coast areas, made of thatched grass. Here he sees a chance to see what they have in the village, what re- uh, significance they put behind it, and if they want to leave it for us, exactly how they leave it for us, and then we have to guard ourselves against what they have left for us.
0: Now, Gary, as I mentioned uh, earlier, this was a 32-hour training program. It stretched over the course of three days, and it actually began at the Army Post Theater where the troops were uh, given um, uh, orientation films. And uh, the orientation films actually uh, told the soldier why he is in Vietnam, told him a little bit about the country's geography, uh, just some kind of basic background of where he was going and why he was going there. Then uh, they take the troops out uh, to the actual training. The squads move to Hanoi Highway, and they're given an objective. They have to seize and destroy that village. They're going to encounter a lot of booby traps and anti-personnel mines triggered by tripwires along the way, and that's for their own benefit when they're in real combat uh, in Vietnam. The village is uh, a live demonstration of the various VC ambushes, and it's designed to solve show the soldier um, just how quickly he needs to get out of the killing zone. Now, I asked a couple of the privates who were there who had gone through the program at the end of the, at the, end of the uh, mission uh, if they thought this whole training was effective.
2: I can assure you that uh, this did awaken me a little bit, <laughs> and I, know, I will know how to react to certain situations like this. This that ninja building brought me to see that uh, you can go up on it uh, anything in Vietnam, and that'll uh, keep your eyes awake and watch what you're doing, because anything can happen.
0: So those were the voices of Privates Wade and Gamble 50 years ago.
1: Now the thing is, I, you can't really prepare for a place being in the United States because it's going to be dramatically different once they get over there. So I'm imagining they're doing the best they can to give them that experience. Now you had your own personal experience with this whole whole deal. What was what was your experience like being there in this makeshift village uh, as a young guy? I mean, did you uh, did you were you in the military?
0: Uh, no, no, I, I wasn't. Uh, but uh, I was a recent college graduate, and you know, a lot of uh, recent college graduates like myself think we know everything.
1: Oh yeah, of course uh, it, you do. And
0: it's only later on in life that we learn that uh, we knew actually.
1: Get out Uh, of town.
0: Practically practically nothing.
1: (laughs) Really? How's that possible? I thought once you got out of college and had
0: a degree, you knew everything. Yeah, right. Well, that's not the way it works. And uh, so anyhow, I I did have a high confidence level because uh, the major said, uh, let's let the um, radio news guy, uh, let's let him lead the patrol.
1: No, wait, wait, hold on one second. So... Somebody trusted you enough to put you in charge of a whole group of soldiers and say, hey, go ahead and take this platoon down the road and keep them safe.
0: Right. And in my mind, I thought, this is going to be a piece of cake. I'm going to get them all the way to the Vietnam village. In the major's mind, uh, it was, "Hmm, this guy's not going to get past the first booby trap. Do you feel like they were (laughs) snickering a little bit? Like, look at this Uh, guy. He thinks he's going to... They were snickering more than a little bit, Gary, Yeah, because... uh, uh, well uh, i I tell you what I hit a trip wire within two to three minutes of oh. starting out with the patrol blew myself and the entire patrol up and at that point they decided they would put the patrol under the command of a lieutenant
1: wait I think we have your uh, experience right here wait let me... wait let's hear that one more time
0: yeah uh, that's that's basically. Uh. That's basically what it sounds like. That's the sound of, um no now do I you didn't. have a prosthetic leg or arm at this point <laughs> fortunately this was training oh, okay so, uh, you know it was wounded pride but nothing else right
1: now did they give you an actual like uh objective that you were supposed to accomplish
0: yeah we i was supposed to or the whole patrol actually was supposed to uh, move down this trail just uh, seated with one booby trap or improvised weapon after another and then even when they got into the village there was a, a lot of danger there uh, for them um, but before they before they, uh, any of us started out, uh, we all received what is called an operations order. Oh, okay. I have here a simulated operations order, so you'll have some idea when you get to Vietnam what an operations order is. E and above should have this before the enemy situation. Approximately six months ago, the chief of this village asked for engineer assistance. Improve living conditions in this village. About two weeks ago, the chief of this village was killed. Now we have a new chief in this village. He is friendly towards us,
2: only when we're around his village. The mission here, well, a friendly situation, we have this entire area uh, blocked off, approximately one square mile around this village. And the mission is to remove any Viet Cong, suspected Viet Cong and contraband from this village
0: before we give assistance here. So after that operations order, Gary, we all moved out, and I started the squad down the trail, and two or three minutes later, this is what happened. Yep. (laughs) Oh boy, how discouraging that was!
1: Was that the actual sound of you getting blown up? In the
0: <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's it. All right, now, I'm
1: just imagining. You know, the rest of the guys are hanging back there, and then this—they're uh, this all port...
0: laughing. Uh-huh. All all the GIs are laughing. Did They've, you
1: that... get to wear the fatigues and everything, or were no, you just in a pair of slacks? I was and, in uh... civvies. I was oh, in okay. civvies.
0: Yeah, no, they they thought that was hilarious, but uh, I bet they did. I tell you what, the smiles were wiped off their faces before long because uh, they blew themselves up a number of times before we finally got to the village. And I'll tell you why. Because along the way, there were a variety of booby traps and improvised the Viet Cong weapons.
2: Right here, we've got a homemade claymore mine. Charlie makes make things things his own self. He's pretty good at it. And yeah, always throwing away something to see uh Just nails, anything. If it's hard, Charlie can use it, he will. Something like a glass. He can use a bucket bottle for his claymore mine. Yeah, to have something for scrapping on the inside of these mines. Yeah, it's not necessarily the case, but speaking of one of you, he's doing all right. One of you take one or two bodies, Jeff gets back.
1: That's what Charlie Now I just got to pause it right there because to me that sounds absolutely terrifying. I mean, you're you're dealing with a group of people who uh, are very savvy with making their own weapons out of pretty much anything they can find out of the forest. I'm. Mean, we're not talking about M-16s. We're not talking about grenades. We're talking about bamboo and glass and nails and things of this nature, things that uh, you could pretty much find anywhere near you.
0: Yeah, you're right, Gary. The uh, Viet Cong were absolute experts at using uh, natural materials from the jungle, and you mentioned glass and nails. That's not naturally found in the jungles, but uh, when the GIs would just throw what they considered junk away. They could use uh, it. The Viet Cong, uh, one man's junk is another man's treasure, and uh, they picked up that junk and uh, were able to use it lethally. And one of the ways they used it was in uh, the, what they called the swinging mace. It was detonated by a tripwire, and it was really horrific.
1: Now, what I'm imagining, because uh, I- I've seen the movie Predator, And there's a scene at the end uh, of the film where Arnold is going up against the alien from outer space. And he has this large, uh, what looks like a log that has spikes that are rammed into it, and it's suspended with a trip wire so that when anybody or anything comes by and knocks that wire, this thing comes swinging down and slams into them. Is this kind of what we're talking about?
0: Exactly. I think Hollywood picked this up from the uh, real war zones of Vietnam. I would have
1: to imagine. I, and Let's see, I think we have a little description of how bad it can be.
2: And the end of these station spikes are usually very sharp, and they dip the end in human waste the reason for this is if you should come in contact with one of these booby traps you might trip this booby trap and it might not hit you in your midsection on your head or in some violent, in some uh, fatal area therefore if you should get stuck in the leg or arm with this booby trap it can cause serious infections if you're not meted back immediately
0: let me uh, mention too that that swinging mace Gary can hurtle down the trail at 65 to 70 miles an hour, and it will absolutely knock anything in its path off that trail. How much do you think that thing weighs? Oh, I don't know, but you know what? Uh, There was no escaping it, because if GI jumped off the trail to avoid it, Mm. can you imagine seeing this thing coming at you at 65 or 70 miles an hour? I would
1: hate to imagine that. And you
0: jump off the trail to avoid it, what they would jump into... Is a bed of punji steaks with poison or an excrement on them, or worse, uh, something that would actually explode. There was no escape from the swinging mace.
1: So either way, you were, you could end up being either killed or seriously injured. Yeah, either now, way. Now, that wasn't the only uh, booby trap they had, though. Didn't they uh, use something similar to bear traps
0: yes uh, there were a number of different uh, booby traps and one of them was called the bear trap <clears throat> this is where you have two boards that are laced with spikes now if the gi steps on the bear trap the spikes believe it or not could penetrate all the way up to his knee Gee, now that that gi is going home Uh, He's out of battle, he's out of sight, and out of mind as far as the V.C. are concerned. They weren't worried about necessarily killing us. They were were happy if they could uh, seriously wound us and send these guys home and take two or three people off the battlefield to uh, get them back to medical attention. Yes. They had another thing called the spider hole. Now, this was a cooking area. You uh, walk into the area, you see a pot, you know, on the fire and what have you. And uh, so they're hoping some John Wayne type might come in and kick the pot over, you know, and then, and, and, you know, really uh, come be, across
1: as real being macho. Yeah, I'll being show macho them. About, uh.
0: But anybody doing that, they could automatically they could be hit with automatic weapons fire from below because below all of that, there were VC with uh, automatic weapons. Jeez. Yeah. So, uh, by the way, the uh, trainees uh, got uh, a number of uh, life-saving rules that uh, they learned in the in the uh, course. Uh, one of them was to never sleep on a Viet Cong bed. Well, I'm not going to go into detail on in that. You <laughs> okay. can imagine why you wouldn't do that, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Bed bugs. Yeah. Really, really bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and booby traps besides. Never drink the well water because it could be... poison. Watch out for lookouts in the trees in the outskirts of villages. Yes. Um, uh, pagodas, uh, they um, they had ammo caches or escape tunnels uh, often that were connected with them. And the one thing uh, that I saw when I arrived at the uh, Hanoi village was a uh, VC flag flying in the middle of the village. And it looked like a terrific souvenir for a GI just to rip down oh, off of the flagpole. But they were warned, don't do it. Don't do it. The Viet Cong didn't leave anything behind that was useful. And what was there was there to kill you or maim you. And so as the training sergeant lifted up the flag, we got to see the grenade.
1: So if they had pulled that flag down, they would have.
0: Yeah, they would have blown themselves up. And finally, uh, the last rule that they gave the trainee, I'm sure you'd love to be sitting in the audience hearing this about ready to be posted to Vietnam. There were 1,000 types of snakes in Vietnam. No, thank you. I guess there still are. And only 999 of them are poisonous. And the other one has the ability to eat you whole.
1: Oh, that's kind of like in Miami where they have all of the pythons. They (laughs) just swallow you up yeah wow i'm not really sure how much different um living in miami is uh, versus going to vietnam
0: oh i think there's a world of difference there probably so yeah
1: um i mean that's that's fascinating uh now my question is though so you're in this whole village how accurate is it compared to the real deal because i mean you know, if they're going to get them prepared for this, they would have to have some measure of believability to this whole setup.
0: Right, right. And I can't, I can't answer that question because I was never in the military. I just went through this Vietnam training, so I can't tell you how authentic it is. But we do have uh, an opinion expressed by Major Lowry. It's along the same line. Here you see
2: uh, three huts, a cooking area, and a well. The one I remember real well had about 70 huts just like this. The only difference is they had protective bunkers built around each hooch. The only difference you'll find here is this one is just smaller. The rest of them will be just like this.
0: And also, Gary, uh, there uh, when we arrived at the village, there was a smell of rotting fish. The temperature was in the 90s. There was high humidity, and there was a whole bunch of wildlife running around the village, so it really looked authentic to me. And I learned that the pigs and ducks... We're under the direction of sergeant ross
1: i was just going to ask you that because my main question is are these animals just living there on the camp or did somebody bring them in
2: whenever we have a village uh, going through the village i go out to my farm and i get my pigs and ducks bring them out and put them in my pen and so we try to make it realistic so that the, uh, the troops will know exactly what to expect and how realistic it will be
0: i really liked sergeant ross that's one of my favorite cuts in the entire uh, program that i recorded so twice a week they operated the vietnam village and they prepared soldiers for vietnam and i do believe they saved lives oh that's fantastic
1: i mean that right there is quite an experience for somebody to have
0: yes it is now
1: after you had your big experience did you were you encouraged enough to want to go and uh and join the army and no head over to vietnam no i think i enjoyed my uh time on uh, oh. television news shortly after this oh i'm sure you did well i tell you what that was definitely uh an incredible experience for you and an incredible story to be sharing with us um but that's not the end this is actually part uh one of a two-part uh thing dealing with your experience uh with the whole vietnam training and next week we are going to take you on an air command strike, believe it or not, we're going to have you right there in the cockpit. You're going to hear all the directions and everything. You're going to see how that part of the training goes down, um, and it,
0: it will be incredible. Basically, folks, you are going to be with the elite air commandos as they go on a counterinsurgency mission. Woo! It's going to be like next week.
1: Going to be like Top Gun over here. <laughs> all right, well it's that time. Once again, I'm Gary. And oh, I'm Richard. We flip-flopped that one. You're Richard, <laughs> I'm Gary. And this was actually your incredible story today.